The Way Out Podcast, episode 309. Hey, welcome to The Way Out Podcast. What's your name, bro? My name is Stancil Toodle, but everybody call me Toodle. Toodle. <laughs> I'm so stoked. It's great to have you on the show. What was your substance of choice or your DOC? Ooh, not feeling. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, I had a problem with feeling with emotions. So, so uh, anything that would get me high, but a crack is what put me on my ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that will happen. <laughs> uh, and Stancil, or Toodle. I'm not right. calling you Stancil no more. <laughs> All right. What is your recovery date, sir? Ooh, June 5th, 1990. Man, congratulations, and thank you for showing me that it can be done, man. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I did not know either. I, I thought they would just jab. Right. No, I feel you. I'm like, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you serve your recovery community, Toodle? Well, uh... I sponsor people, uh, I have a sponsor, I do peer support work, uh, I'm classified as a recovery coach, mm. and I try my best to make this world just a little bit brighter by giving back each and every day. Amen. That's all we can do, right? Yeah. Got a daily reprieve. So we got to give back every day if we can. Every day. Mm-hmm. And then finally, for our introduction segment, uh, what does recovery mean to you? Well, it. I get the opportunity to try to undo some of the pain hell that I cause my fellow human beings and this planet when I was caught up. Uh, and that's a debt I would never be able to fully pay. But recovery gives me, recovery means I try every day to make things brighter and I don't get caught up on what I how much good or what I did positive yesterday because that's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't we can't rest on our laurels, right? <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither, man. You know, it's like, oh, I've I've done so much good for so many people, so now I'm just gonna quit all of that. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I often hear people people talk talk about being complacent and stuff, and I don't know what complacent means for a living being. Either I'm living or I'm dying. And oh yeah, I don't think there's no such thing as standing still or or what I done yesterday matters today. You know, it's it's, it's all about what positive I do today. Right. You know, it's like I always say, I'm like, 
I'm, I'm just not willing to find out which pillar of my recovery program um, that it can, that I can, you know, stop and still be able to stand on firm footing. Like, I'm just not willing to play that game. You know, I it's on me to find what works and then it's on me to find a balance between those things uh, where I can carry the message and I can carry myself and I can fulfill my responsibilities and not burn out, hopefully, you know? Uh, it's huge, it's important. I, I need all of those different aspects because it works for me. And if I give up one, I'm, I'm just not willing to see if I can give up one. Because <laughs> I don't want it to all crash down, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I have seen what has happened to those jokers that did <laughs> that did give up. And uh, I don't want to join. <laughs> I don't want to do So as cruel as that may sound, you know, I've seen what happened to people that forget that it is about what I'm giving now that keeps that keeps me going. So they taught me. So I, try, I try not to do what I see other people do. Right. Like for once in my life, I can actually learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome Way Out faithful and first timers to this week's installment of the Way Out podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple, to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Listen up, everyone. Certified and professional recovery coaching is now available by going to wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. We want to help you and those you know who want help in building a strong, rewarding, and enduring recovery. Let our recovery experience and training enhance and strengthen your recovery by visiting wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. Finally, a word of caution. 
this podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and in this edition of The Way Out, the raddest recovery podcast co-host in all the land brings us his interview with person in long-term recovery, Stancil Toodle. Toodle, as most folks call him, shares his journey to and through recovery to this point with us, which includes a whole lot of experience, strength, and hope. Toodle was born blind and grew up in the country in rural Georgia. He just celebrated 32 years of continuous sobriety and has an amazing recovery story. Toodle shares openly and honestly about the barriers that he and others with disabilities have had to and still face, which are all too common. And his recovery is proof recovery is available to all folks, regardless of physical ability. We can all get engaged with Toodle's warm-hearted and joyful spirit. So listen up. What's up, everybody out there in Way Out Podcast land? It's your trusty co-host, Jason. And I got with me a good buddy. I met him at Mobilize Recovery. Toodle. What's up, Toodle? What's happening there, Jason? Uh, we finally hooked up. Uh, yes, and, uh, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it was never not going to happen. That's for sure. But yeah, we had a couple little snafus and things come up. Life gets lifey and it gets in the way sometimes. And that's all right because, you know, we we made it. We're here. And I'm really looking forward, brother, to getting to know you better and hearing your story of recovery and, and just all the wisdom you have to share. Stancil Toodle is his full name, you guys, but I'm going to do my best in this interview to address <laughs> address him as Toodle. Seemingly, over the last few months, I've really gotten in the habit of calling him Stancil for some reason a lot. So, you know. Bear with me, sir, if I call you Stancil. <laughs> Other folks do it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's definitely going to be a pleasure to hear about your journey. You guys, he just just celebrated seven days ago, 32 years of continuous sobriety. Well done, sir. Thanks to other folks. Thanks oh, yeah. To- Thanks to what other folks did, because I sure enough didn't believe it was possible, you know. Right. And honestly, if I w- wouldn't have been right here watching it, I still wouldn't believe it. No, I feel that. I think the further removed from it I get, the more it trips me out. I'm like, how am I, you know, <laughs> and all the things that I've learned and the joy I've experienced. And it's like, I, I used to think like life would just suck without drugs. Why? You know? And uh, I was wrong. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> so before yeah. we get any further into this deal here, Toodle, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself to the way out podcast audience, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, my name is, Toodle, uh, I am a blind, black, stuttering, <laughs> stutterer who lives in rural South Georgia. Uh, I've been blind since birth, uh, and uh, 
I have a speech problem. Uh, so I'm not nervous. I just can't talk. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and uh, I, uh, like I said, I live in a rural area. Um, I, uh, I love peace. Uh, I love, uh, I love music. I love music. Music, uh, if, if, if music was a, was a drug, I would definitely be addicted because and in my world, I always got some music playing. Always, uh, uh, like I said, I, I, I was I was born blind. I'm third gen third generation blind, and got some kids that are blind. Got some grandkids. Got nephews that are blind. So, uh, you know, blindness is something that I've always known and. Just so you know, it's cool to be to be blind, uh, uh, and uh, I prior to finding recovery, I was a hurt individual. Um, I think looking back and and uh, by having the vision problem and the speech problem that has all that used to cause me pain. Uh, people used to always pick at me and I would fight, uh, I'd pick up some, try to knock them out with it. Uh, and uh, my, I used to always hear things like, you know, sticks uh, and stones may break my bones, but words will, would never hurt. That's bullshit. Uh, growing up, words yeah. hurt. Uh, yeah. Even, even down to kin folks used to pick at me. And uh, so, but like I said, both of my parents were blind and uh, was born. I got a birth defect, which caused the blindness. Me and one of my brothers got it. And so as a result of being blind, was sent to a residential school for blind folks. And I went there from kindergarten through 12th grade. So uh, ever since I've been about five years old, uh, most the, the longest I spent with my family up until about six months ago, man, was three months at a, at a time, would come home from the residential school about three days around Thanksgiving, two weeks around Christmas, about three days around Easter, and three months during the summer. Wow, that had to be hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you just don't know, uh, you know. Uh, at all. And uh, growing up, and uh, I've had this conversation since I've been grown and in recovery. And I've 
because I was blessed that uh, when I got clean, my mama was still alive and uh, asked her because I don't remember when I was a kid when they first took me to that school that anybody told me that we're going to take you up there to this school, which, which was about 200 miles from my hometown, and we're going to leave you there. And uh, I can still see in my mind's eye that uh, we all went up, we all went up there to the school. Uh, we had somebody to drive us and and uh, had luggage and stuff. And, and then we all had a good time for a couple of hours. And then everybody started back getting in the car, except me. And uh, they pulled off and I cried and I showed out because up until that time, they had given me the impression I was God's gift to the world. Mm. And so as a kid, like I said, uh, I felt like, uh, you know, they didn't want me. They sent me off. And, and I used to, when I was real small, I would get in trouble at the school. I would do bad things and hoping that they would call my parents and my parents would come and get me and take me back home. And that never happened. Wow. And so between that and uh, another thing that really messed me up early was uh, as a result of being gone to that school, people would die back in my hometown. And like, since I would only come home rarely because we were poor people and uh and so, but when I would come come home and I would tell my parents or I tell for whoever, I'm I'm gonna go see so and so. And they'll say, oh, so and so died. Wow. And I'd say, damn. You know, <laughs> uh that was my friend, you know, and y'all knew that was my friend. Right. You know, and nobody told me or or y'all didn't come and get me so I could go to the funeral and say goodbye and, yeah you know things like that and and fact of the matter uh, uh, looking and I, there's a difference in how you look at things when you are a kid versus how you look at things once you find recovery and you look back over your life and you try to start healing. Right. <clears throat> you know, but uh yeah, you had a so, lot of things you had a lot of things to be resentful about for sure, like deeply. Yeah. And so somewhere in there I decided that I just ain't gonna 
have people. I ain't gonna let people get 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 close to me. Yeah, because people hurt you. Mm. You know, people people die. People like the kids or, or people that I would get close to up at that school one year. The next year they don't come back. You know, uh, so yeah. it's just you know life through my perception and and through nobody taking the time or thinking it was important then to explain things to me, right. I came up with my own conclusion. Hmm. And basically it was just me against the damn world. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know, and so uh you couldn't trust people. People hurt you. People leave you. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's just a messed up world. And I think that things like that kind of really made it, it. Well, that helped lay the groundwork for why Searching for instant gratification was so uh, appealing, and some, and even sometimes now it can get appealing. Now it's just that I, I, I can usually stay away from most drugs when it when it comes to instant gratification, but I. You know, I still at times will search out instant gratification so I can stop feeling, you know, or or if I'm going to feel, I want to feel good and nothing else. Uh, And and, and I I want it now. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to work five days before I get my paycheck. You know, shoot, I want I want my paycheck when I get off work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True that. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, and uh, but these and these past thirty plus years, man. Uh, like I said, I've been trying to make up for some of the pain and harm that I caused because, you know, I thought people were meant for me to use them, you know, and I get you before you get me because you're going, you know, if you, if you can, you're going to hurt me. Right. Because everybody else did. Mm. But uh, like I said, and uh, I asked my mama after a couple of years of being in recovery, you know, about why they did you know, why they sent me to that school. And uh, she basically, and she told me, said, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that if we die, that nobody would have to take care of you. You'll be able, you and your brother, y'all be able to take care of yourself. You won't have to rely on your brothers and sisters. You won't have to rely on the government. Yeah. So and was it was it a like a all 
they taught you obviously how to live with your blindness, but like it was a right, like your school school too. It was everything. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, We lived on campus. Uh, The first cup, my first from kindergarten through third grade, we all went to an integrated school, but at nighttime, the black kids had, we had to ride the the bus over to a segregated campus for the dormitories. Hmm. Uh, In the third grade, I think that was about 1971, when Georgia fully integrated, we all started living on the same campus. And uh, I tell folks, uh, wow, I've been I've been sleeping in the rooms with white with white people since I was about nine years old. You know, uh, I've always had white roommates, uh, ate at the table, you know, with white folks, and and, and uh, that's one of the things I kind of pride myself on. Uh, I made sure that all of my all of my kids. Uh, We always had different, well, since I come from the country, might as well call it as it is. I've all, you know, we've always, I've always had white friends that stayed at my house and made sure that my, my kids spent the night, you know, with white folks. uh, Because being from rural Georgia, that's not the norm. Right. But, you know, but since that's how I grew up, I've always, you know, that school growing up, we all slept and ate and took baths together. And uh, so that's that was one blessing from that school that uh, most people didn't get that. Most people still don't get that right yeah totally you know it's like society still almost uh in in certain areas anyway you know kind of naturally still kind of segregates you know like yeah i was doing a job well i'm still doing it i've been on this one job site now for like two months and in this neighborhood and it's almost all um like Mungs, like all Hmong people, like everywhere, <laughs> you know, except for a couple of them. But really, it's like, damn, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? It yeah. kind of trips me out. But I guess it's just natural uh, that people tend to click up, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, since I was never. Well, I wasn't raised that way. And so whether it's good or it is bad, but, uh, you know, it's just what it is. And, right. and I, I, you know, uh, so I, I made, I made sure that my, my kids had that experience too. You know, uh, people in the neighborhood be looking at you funny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Pseudo- Toodle got the bus man or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's it's cool because this is humanity, right? And the human experience, we 
we should be inclusive. You know, you shouldn't uh, shun anybody because of what they look like or color of their skin or what language they speak or any of that stuff, or, you know, because there's universal ways that we can connect. Right. You, yeah. You know, but you gotta be willing home. to put forth the effort. You gotta be willing to put forth the effort. And, uh, True. You know, and, and you gotta be willing to step outside of the box. Or one of the things I think recovery has taught me is to get out of my comfort zone. Yes. Absolutely. That's a big one. <laughs> Life. <laughs> nothing, nothing good happens inside your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. <it lied. laughs> yeah. So how long did you have to go to that school till you were 18 or what? Yeah. Until I graduated from school and then I went off to college. Uh, uh, but the good thing about it, uh, if I would have went, if I would have went to school in my hometown, I would probably be a ward of the state or some somebody would have to take care of, right. of me. Uh, I got a, t- you know, that school gave us a top-notch education. Matter of fact, when I went off to college, didn't have to take no kind of remedial classes or none of that kind of crap. And but you were ready to go. Yeah. And you know, and I could uh I could travel or uh use a use a cane or I could fly or I could cook, you know, I could I could take care of myself. Isn't that odd, you know, kind of ironic in a way how uh, in your in your young, younger years, you know, and how much pain you you experienced as a result of being sent away and having to be apart from your family. And and then, you know, once you got older and found your healing, you're like you you find gratitude in the same thing. Right. Like thank God they sent me there so that I was equipped to handle all this stuff. I mean, you went to college, you can do anything anybody else can do and you don't need somebody to help you do it. That's amazing. Right. But uh, it it required sacrifice and yeah. Yeah, I mean, that had to be hard for your folks too, you know, to to send you away like that. Yeah. My, um, every time I got on that Greyhound bus, well, every time me and my brother got on a Greyhound bus, my mama and my sisters would be crying, you know, along with us, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you, you know, but if I also, if I wouldn't have went to that school, by the time I wind up in rehab, I wouldn't, I would not, I really don't think I would be successful in this thing called recovery. Because when I went into rehab, which, matter of fact, that's kind of interesting, I went to rehab because I needed some time to think. I didn't go to rehab 
to quit doing dope. I needed some time to think because I had done did some stuff and got in a jam and I needed some time to figure out what was going to be my next move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because somebody told me, man, you can go to treatment and they'll put you in a room for about three days and just leave you alone and just bring you bring you food. I said, shoot, that's what I need so I can figure out what's going to be my next move. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> rehab was not ready for me as a blind man. Oh. Thank God I, I knew about what accessibility things I needed, what type of tools I needed in order for me to be able to fully take in the information and everything that, that they were offering. Wow. And as sad as it is, 32 years later, people with disabilities who wind up in rehab still have, have those same issues. And a whole lot of my peers, you know, due to the fact that accessibility is not mandated at typical rehab centers, people like me either are not successful or they just totally are not welcome in because of the accessibility barriers. Wow. But I knew, you know, from going to that school for the blind, from being an independent blind person, I knew that I, I needed access to Braille. I knew that I was going to need some type of writing utensil. I knew that, you know, for at least about my first day, somebody was going to have to kind of tell me or, or kind of guide me around this place until I learned well, you know, until I learned my way around. Somebody yeah. was going to have to read to me. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and if I wouldn't have, and if I wouldn't have been competent in my independence as a blind person, I would have probably, probably gave up, which is what I see a whole lot of other people do. Or like I say, they just aren't encouraged to go to treatment because right. Treatment centers don't want, don't want to or can't accommodate them or they don't think that they can. And, it's, and it is weird that most of the time the able-bodied people think that they know more uh, a, about what the disabled person needs. And, and so, shit, uh, I, don't, I don't see so many disabled people die who never got the chance to really hear what I heard, man. Mm. That hurt. That hurts my heart. Yeah. And it, that's something that 
you've uh, felt a calling to address, right? Um, in recent years, uh, try to trying to combat that and advocate for uh, changes to be made in the system, uh, you know, across the board, right? Like, as far as those things are concerned, it, you've been pushing for that, right? Yeah. 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 You know, uh, the act, you know, how many, uh, to your listeners, how many disabled people do you know of in recovery? Uh, and, uh, and of course we all can qualify as being disabled because of the substance abuse or the mental health, but what about the other types of disabilities, the physical, the sensory, or the cognitive? Uh, how many disabled people in recovery do you know that have some time and still come around? Uh, and I've I've been blessed since I've since I met y'all and I decided to try to live one day at a time without using. I've been blessed to travel and go places and I've had some outrageous type <laughs> jobs and stuff and I get to travel and I've been to all type of recovery gatherings all over this country and, and in a couple of other countries. And I don't, I don't know. I don't see too many people like me. Or I don't hear other folks say, Toodle, there go a, um, a person in a wheelchair over there across, across, across the room. Or there go somebody doing ASL, uh, which is American Sign Language, at this recovery gathering. Mm. You know, and, uh, you know, shit, we get high. Hell, I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you know, that means you need recovery too. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, and for my last, about my last, year of getting high I didn't want to get high man same it was probably like five years for me (laughs) I truly didn't I truly did not want to get high and I can remember when I was fixing up my works and I'd be praying to God you know why don't why don't you just blow this stuff out or why don't you just blow it off of the can or why won't you just let me just help me to just quit because I don't I don't want to do this no more you know and so I and I got a whole lot of buddies who are disabled of, of course because I'm also very active in that movement. And, you know, uh, some of them want to 
try something different. But, you know, uh, the places where recovery is offered, there are, there are barriers. And yeah, we often talk okay, about that um, if you go after recovery, you know, like, like you went after your dope, you know, you can get it, you know. That's true on one hand, but on the other hand, that's bullshit. Right. When I can't get in the damn dope, because mm. you got steps to where the good shit at. Right. Yeah. I mean, the barriers that's it's it's like when you got stuff blocking your way, you know, I mean, how yeah. many times how many walls are you going to run into before you're going to be like, well, fuck it then. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. It's a lot to think about, man. And I know uh, for you guys listening out there, I, I challenge you uh, and I don't usually do this, but you know, we always, we always have our guests contact information in the show notes, you know, like there's a, you know, not a single person's story here on this show that you don't have a way to contact them if their story touched you in some way. But I'd really like to set a personal challenge out there for everybody listening to, Try to get, if you do know people that are disabled and in recovery or have dealt with barrier issues um, or have ideas on how to overcome that stuff, even if you're not disabled or whatever, like I, I challenge you guys to contact Toodle, man, and because he's trying to get this, you know, advocacy really fired up for this cause. And it's a definitely a very important cause, right? Like, this should not be an issue. Like not yeah. as widespread as you're saying it is. It shouldn't be like if people in recovery spaces are always talking about inclusivity, but it's like, how hard, how hard can it be to get those um, things in place at all the treatment centers in the country so that, you know, there is accessibility for people with different disabilities. I mean, come on. Well, treatment treatment centers, uh, recovery, community organizations, uh, 12-step meeting places, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Most 12-step meeting places are, most places meet in damn basements and shit. Oh, true. (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) But I mean, I guess I'm referring more to, you know, your treatment centers your mm-hmm. you know uh halfway houses and stuff like that like the more structured uh programs that are out there obviously there should be at least some stuff that you know you know like uh your alano clubs or you know your main type of meeting halls not the church basement type meetings right but like if it's an alano club hopefully they have some some you know, resources in Braille and, and, and have some like audio 
tapes or well i said tapes like this is the 90s <laughs> mp3s or yeah, like flash drives or some shit <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know what i'm getting at though i mean yeah it sounds to me like a lot of those barriers would be relatively um maybe a little kind of inexpensive to to take care of or i guess maybe not with uh some of the more uh the professional side you know where you're gonna have to have certain people on staff right that can assess that can assist and support uh clients but i don't know man yeah i just just feel like it would it shouldn't be that difficult you know and it shouldn't shouldn't be something that's been overlooked for as long as it has it sounds crazy to me that it has been and i've it really hurts my heart to hear, you know, I was not aware that that was such an issue until we met at mobilize and you started telling me about it. So. Yeah. You know, now, and now, but I don't want your listeners thinking, but damn, you know, he got 32 years, but the only thing he can, he can talk about is the, the bad stuff because that's not true. And like I, I said earlier, uh, since I was a kid, the longest I ever spent around my siblings was three months. But uh, these, but since November, I've been in my hometown, and uh, my baby sister was diagnosed with uh, with cervical cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, she, ha- we went to the doctor, me and her. I didn't, I didn't drive, but we went to the doctor. And, uh, <laughs> I hope you didn't drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, they, and, and they told her the cancer had came back. Yeah. And uh, she made me promise Number one, you know, since it was just me and her, I wouldn't tell nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't tell nobody that they said the cancer came back and and it was terminal. And she also said, "You gotta stay here with me till I die." Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to take care of me. And uh, that's part of that's one of the reasons why me and Jason had to keep on putting off our meeting up because uh, you know uh, because she she died back in March, and, mm. but uh, she wanted she wanted me. take care of her, you know, uh, she wanted me to do everything and, you know, me, that damn dope using brother that, and uh, she wanted me, you know, to stay at hospice with, you know, she didn't want, uh, she didn't want the children, she didn't want any of the other siblings, she wanted me. Mm-hmm. 
And that's because of what y'all gave me. Y'all taught me that sometimes, uh, you know, some, you know, uh, I got to put my personal stuff on the side and be there to support other folks. And I've never been real good about death. You know, I, but, uh, and I'm, and I'm still not, not the best. Uh, I still cry at times about her, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I saw it. I saw it. And I tell you, you know, I can't see, but I tell you, I truly believe I saw when her spirit left her body that, that day and she wanted me and nobody else. And that's because of what y'all taught me. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, you know, and so that's, and I'm still trying to get over that because I'm having a little hard time about getting back in into I don't want to say the living but I'm having a little hard time about I don't uh, just enjoying life without thinking what if Paula was right here with me would she enjoy this and stuff and But uh, that's what I've often said that I think that recovery gets us ready to support people when they die. And yeah. I, think that, I think that's what it did for me. And so, yeah. And- I'm I'm so sorry again for your loss. Um, I remember when she passed and seeing it on Facebook, and she looked like a lovely woman, and and you could tell it really came across that you cared so deeply for her and that you cared deeply for each other. And yeah, it's totally a blessing of recovery that uh, relationships can be not only mended but revitalized you know completely changed um overhauled you know and it's to be able to experience that uh that ability to show up for the people you love in in a real and authentic way and and you know not have it be drama you know having it be like this you know, because no matter how hard it was, right? Like, is it was a blessing. It was a huge blessing to her and to you. You know, and I, I just can't imagine. I haven't lost any siblings yet, and I don't really ever want to go through that. But, um, yeah, yeah. My deepest condolences, yeah. bro. Thank you. But you know, uh, but. That's, but as a result of following you people's 
suggestions, I was able to stay here and go through it because shit. <laughs> I would have ran, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah, you done shut off. You shut your feelings off for a lot less than that before, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But you you know, but uh I think I think I got clean or I found recovery so I can feel and it's just like with the sun and and the rain. You know, if you want the sun, you gotta be willing to dance in the damn rain some of the time. You know, and uh, so no, I, I feel that man, like after this last winter I took layoffs so I could take care of my mom. Uh, she got a bone marrow transplant and it was like, you know, before I, before she got the transplant, I thought it was going to really fuck her up because she had, she went through a real hard time in the summer, uh, you know, when she first was diagnosed with uh, that AML and I went, I was like, expecting it to be worse than that was and it wasn't like that at all it was actually really awesome like it you know 100 days around the clock care and it was me and my brother and sister kind of switching off but i i was there a lot and just staying at her house having sleepovers watching tv sitting and chatting and really just getting like this ton of quality time together um, and then, you know, of course, bringing her to some appointments and think, you know, taking care of her stuff too, but it was cool, man, to be able to be there because before they wouldn't have never let me go spend the <laughs> night over there with her, you know, they would have thought that I would leave dirty needles around or, <laughs> you know, be having people over there selling dope out of her house, like, my brother and sister would have never let me over there, you know? And, you know, it's just like, so even when it's hard, right? These things that are hard, I always got to remind myself that like, I get to have those things going on, those difficulties in my life today. They're diff they're way different than the difficulties I would be having if I was still in active addiction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And, and normal people do this shit. You know, uh, well, some normal people do this shit. You know, some normal, some normal people find some other ways to escape that I try not to, well, that we try not to use also, you know, because one thing, one of the things I've really tried to be mindful of is that, you know, my, I know how crack look, you know, and on most, you know, and shit, I'm going to keep my ass away from damn crack and alcohol and shit because I know what that did. Right. But there are some other damn things that if I'm not vigilant, you know, will 
have the ability to do the same thing mentally and emotionally to me that them drugs did. You know, and 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 this is just part of Toodles program. You know, Um, I uh, I had to use what y'all. Yeah, and I'm proud of you uh, about this. But I had to use what y'all taught me to let that damn nicotine go. Yeah, you know, because man, uh, uh, I realized that shit. You know, um, what will make me go out in the damn rain <laughs> when, it, you know, when it's damn 40 damn degrees outside and ain't no damn top to go under, but I'll go outside. Smoking damn cigarette. Yeah, smoking <laughs> cigarette. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, and uh, like uh, uh, I'm a um, tobacco treatment uh, specialist and stuff. And um, one of the questions they ask you is that: uh, How soon after you wake up in the morning do you smoke a cigarette? You know, and. <laughs> And, you know, and as soon as as soon as I wake up on my way to the bathroom, the pee, you know, I I'm getting a damn cigarette. You know? Yeah, uh, you know, or you know, you know, like a, and so I did the same thing with that other dope. You know, you know, uh, if if you were having a party, and if you said I couldn't. Use while I was at your party. Chances are I wasn't coming to your damn party. Yes. And, and and so you having a party, you tell me, you know, I can't, you know, if I go outside and smoke, I can't come back in because I'm gonna be smelling like smoke, and everybody else at your party gonna be saying, damn, true to your snake. You know, so I say, Well, I ain't coming to your damn party. <laughs> yeah. What kind you of party know. is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, so uh <laughs> nicotine, uh and for me, uh I had to quit gambling. Uh, I used to, you know, uh that lottery shit and uh uh, uh playing cards, you know, uh me and my blind buddies uh we used to play poker and shit. I tell you what, man, and uh, winning that pot gave me uh, a, a damn buzz, just like hitting that stem. Yeah. So, so I, I had to choose. You know, I chose. You know, I can't, I can't do that no more. Right. Well, I think it's a, you know it's part of that progressive nature of the disease. It's also the same way with recovery. You know, it's progressive too. So, you know, at first you're ta- you're taking on certain aspects of your life, and then later it's like you you start to become convicted about other things. You know, like I mean, now it's like the you know I'm fighting the the nicotine thing, and and it's been going good but then before that it was like my debt you know and now Mm -hmm. i'm looking at my physical 
health and uh, thinking about my diet and shit that I, that's like going to probably be the next things that I'm going to, you know, that I, now I got to psych myself up for that shit, you know, cause it's, it's a, it's a process, you know, but it's cool because I, that stuff has never been on my radar before. It wasn't even registering on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and uh, those, those cats, those old cats, uh, talk gay, and cause uh, my first real introduction to the, the 12 steps came as a result of, well, my first introduction to re- recovery period came as a result of AA. And uh, so, uh, uh, those old those old guys used to talk about emotional emotional sobriety and how that how that is the last frontier, you know, because you know, you know because it's very unlikely, I think, for me that I'm gonna use some dope. But like I said, there's other shit that'll fuck me up. Yeah. You know, if if I'm not forever, forever, forever vigilant, vigilant, and I constantly remind myself a uh, a about things that I know that can trip me up. Mm-hmm. I, it's 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 dope. You know, it's dope. And so, so I, I, and so, uh, healing those scars and being willing to heal those scars and being, you know, because, and being willing to not hide behind, like, I often hear people say, well, I did what I did because. I'm an addict or, you know, or I am addicted or whatever. You know. You know, hell, I did what I did because shit, that's what I want to damn do because, I, you know, I wouldn't slow my ass down. Uh, and, and go through whatever I needed to go through. Uh, I think emotional uh well emotional recovery means being willing to hurt so i can heal and and that requires not seeking out these instant gratification or as i or as i think those cats meant when they were talking about emotional sobriety it ain't about those chemicals that brought me to y'all no more. You know, it's about a grown-up shit. Yeah, absolutely. And just like you said, you know, just being able to allow yourself to go through it instead of trying to escape it. You know, yeah. you can't. You can't heal. There's only one way to get over it, and that's to go through it you know <laughs> yeah 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 and so i feel like i need to 
I'll, I just want to hear it for myself, I guess. But because I know we kind of skimmed over it, though. But like, so how how did you get introduced to, uh, you know, partying or whatever? And and just, you know, like we don't got to get all super into it or nothing. But I feel like I want I just want to hear like how how did you get into partying and and how and what was the catalyst that, you know, was the last straw that broke you to the point where you needed help? Well, how did I get in the party? I'm an old country boy. Uh, and when I wasn't at that school for the blind, I was in the country. Uh, and uh, I love I, I love music. Uh, uh, and I've all, and I've all, and I, some folks say, that I can that I can sing and, and I uh, can play instruments and I guess that's what they said about most blind folks shit they say we we musicians and all that kind of shit like Ray Charles and all that shit but uh you know so and by being an old rural country boy you know that that was always alcohol around. Now, grant you, my parents didn't drink, but but you know there was people in my family uh, that did drink, and they they always looked cool, you know. Between Joker with a cigarette hanging out his mouth and and um and um. Mason jar or a can in their hand. That shit out, you know, that shit always look like, you know, that's what the hip folk do. Mm. And you know, like I said, and uh as a result of the the of the music, you know, uh, people would be having gatherings and stuff and they would want me to play and you know and sing and stuff and I got to see what them people do and and I got to I got to see how they acted after you know like after after they took uh, took hits and stuff and seemed like they were having fun right and and like. That was just one uncle. Every Saturday night, man, uh, he would just have a good old damn time. Every <laughs> Saturday night, he had a good time. And he, he was joyful and he would give me money if, if I sing certain songs and stuff and and uh, I like that that kind of shit. Because, you know, because it's kind of weird looking back. I've, I've all, like, what well, I've always liked attention. Mm. But I didn't like people. <laughs> Go figure, you know, 
But, uh, you, you know, well, maybe it was because, you know, if if you gave me uh, attention, you would give me something more, whatever. But uh, so grew up sipping on stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, and um, tasting, tasting stuff and uh, teenage years. And like I, like I said, man, uh, my teenage years in my hometown was kind of rough. Like I said, uh, my kinfolks used to pick at me. Girls used to pick at me, you know, but uh, they would want me to sing and make music and stuff. And it's, it seemed like using made me think that hell I could sing better now. Uh, could write better and shit like that. And so and if I if I was tipsy or if I was high, it didn't bother me as much. So you know that y'all were laughing at me or you know, or I've, I was also, when it came to girls, I was shy at first because, and I'm still self-conscious about when I first meet people due to the fact that I stutter. I'm still a little bit self-conscious about what people think of me when they first meet me. And I start stuttering, mm. you know, but uh, getting high and uh, being, you know, getting high kind of made that a little bit easier. But, you know, but then more importantly, you know, I, I know I can't talk, but I can sing my ass off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, so it's uh, like a performance enhancer for everything yeah, yeah. that you do, plus yeah. a social lubricant. Yeah. Plus yeah. A, plus it makes you feel good when you yeah, normally yeah. would be like Yeah, yeah. 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 And 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 uh and looking back, it just it was a progression thing, uh cause uh at that school, uh, got into wrestling and uh, losing losing weight, and, uh, got introduced to them uh, uh, black beauties and shit because uh, they would they could help you keep the weight down. And uh, my brother was one of the best wrestlers from Georgia. And I always wanted to be like my brother, but I just couldn't damn wrestle like my brother could. But uh, using them, using that, that dope could help me keep my weight down uh, so I could, so I could wrestle and, I truly believe and I know for a fact that some of us develop a tolerance and you just have to keep on 
trying something different or, or trying more. Yeah, graduating to different drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 and, and then when I'm and so uh my last year of high school uh was in a band and uh we were kind of traveling and we were kind of kind of good and you know and uh got in entry in introduced to uh like coke and shit and uh, and uh hanging out with them guys and trying different stuff and then I went off to college and Um, and things just fell apart because I started messing up bad in college. Uh, Education became a chore because it was taking up too much time. Shit. Mm. (laughs) And, uh, we had this opportunity. Uh, I was with these guys one time, and we had an opportunity to go over, go overseas, and uh, be a opening, be the opening act for this band. Shit, I just got bug wild, and. My dad had died. I could I came home when my dad had died, but I didn't spend no time with my folks. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I couldn't take it. I really couldn't take it. And so uh and then I started thinking, man, uh this ain't how I'm supposed to be living. And like I said earlier, about my last year of using, man, I didn't want to use no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that time, uh, about 86 or so, crack came out and somebody turned me on to some crack. Lord, have mercy. Uh, you know what it's going to do to you before you hit it, and you know what you're going to do after you hit it. And you don't want to do it, but you still hit it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that my parents had taught me and my brother is that by y'all being blind and by y'all being black, you got to always do twice as much as the next person if you want to get credit. Mm. And, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can overcome anything. And so I kept on wanting to quit, man. I, I, I would that, that shit like you hide money from your damn self 
in your own house. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> you know, or, or, or like say, you know, I ain't going to do like I did last time. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go get me one hit and I'm going home. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you can't count, you can't account for days. Uh, you don't know how you got from Georgia to New Orleans. You know, you don't, you know, you know, you don't know if you killed some damn body or if you know, hell, you don't know if you damn drove or you flew or you know, you just, uh, and so I had came to the conclusion, Jason, that since I could not stop doing dope, I was gonna die doing dope. And I hope I died soon. Yeah. Because the way I was living, you know, irregardless about what I thought about people or whatever, you know, uh, your parents always tell you that. You know, when you're out in the streets, you represent the whole Toodle family. Mm. You know, and was doing stuff that I knew wasn't right. And doing stuff that under normal circumstances, you know, if you would have did to me what I was doing to me or what I was doing to people that I cared about, I'd kick your ass. And, and like I said, I got into some trouble. I did some stuff and I went into treatment. And this is, and lo and behold, I got into treatment. And I heard what I heard them people talking that stuff and one day at a time, you know, you can do this and and you can be happy, joyous and free and stuff. And you got to understand that where I came from was a rural area. And, you know, I I never knew any any black folks that went anywhere but to religion and clear and clean their life up. Right. And I knew I didn't want to be them one of them. I didn't I didn't want no part of that. You got to go to damn church Sunday, Wednesday, Friday night. No. Uh, uh. <laughs> and so I went to rehab and I went through the detox. I think it was seven days, and then they were talking about you know the twenty-eight day program and stuff. And we started going to meetings and stuff. And there was a couple of more black people I saw at some of them meetings. Because it wasn't many of them <laughs> because uh, you know it was rural. It's rural Georgia. I, I met a couple of black folks and they were talking about this recovery thing is good. You know, and Toodle, you, need, you really need to try it. 
And see, since I had done tried to quit, and since I couldn't quit, me being the smart man I am, it must be impossible to quit doing dope. <laughs> so here was a couple of brainwashed black folks in these meetings. <laughs> and, and I was sent here to find the hustle to these meetings so I could free these brainwashed black folk. And I was going to call Mike Wallace from 60 Minutes and get him to come down here and we're going to bust this shit open. And one of the wisest decisions I've ever made in my whole life, and I thank the creator every day, is that it dawned on me that if you want to prove something don't work, work it. Yep. Run the experiment. And, yeah. And man, one of the most happiest days of my life is that day when it dawned on me. Tool. You ain't thought about doing no doping. Damn, wow. Mm. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, and so what, you know, so, and uh, I think the happiest, the happiest moment for a scientist is when he realized why his experiment didn't work. And when I realized that, you know, them folks said, go to a meeting every damn day. If you, if you think about getting high, call somebody, get you some literature, you know, change your damn thought. Uh, this old guy used to tell me, he said, uh, we ain't responsible for what thought comes to my mind. But I'm fully 100% responsible for how long any thought stays on my mind. Mm. Ain't nobody never told me no shit like that before. Right. And, and uh, <laughs> I, I, got, I got papers. Well, I had, yeah. I, well, uh, uh, but when, when I was in high school and when I was in college, Jokers gave me papers saying, shit, I'm halfway smart. But I couldn't, you know, I couldn't figure that shit out about total. If you don't want to get high, don't put it in you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, what a thought. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, but that's that's the shit y'all was saying. You know, that's you know, at at them at them means and you know, and then and and I was doing that stuff, man. And it was getting me some positive res results. Mm. And uh, one of my dearest friends, and we still friends now, and uh, uh, he got 32 years back, back in May, you know, because he, he had came in right before I did, and we still talk, you know, and because... Uh, he was one of the ones that I was that I was going free when I when I found out 
what the trick was to this to the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but you know, but um, when they say this shit worked, it worked. Mm. Uh, and so I ain't found no reason to do nothing different. Uh, I still, you know, now I'm a 12 stepper by nature. Mm-hmm. I still do 12 step meetings. I do other things too, but I still do 12 step meetings because I love working with people when they first come in and get to watch them straighten up and they have those aha moments like I did. You know, when when you when 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 they realize that if I keep on doing this basic shit that they talk about about you know don't pick up uh, find you something to believe in outside of you and keep in regular contact with it. And people start straightening up and they and they get their lives back and and I love newcomers. I love interacting and sharing with newcomers what them people shared with me, even though. I wasn't serious when I first came around, but thank God they still said, bring your ass on to the win, you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, because we ain't, because we really to we ain't doing this. So you can get it. We doing this so we can keep it. Right. You know, and that's what it is now. You know, and so, uh, I love, man, uh, I love helping or I love watching people realize why their experiment didn't work, just like I realized why mine didn't work. And I also like watching how when you get a good taste of this thing, you want to share it with other folk and you want more. Yeah, I got 32 years and I'm still I, I'm glad I'm still as hungry as I was when I first came around here. Uh, I still read the basic literature because at the end of the day with all of this stuff y'all done taught me the bottom line is that if I don't pick up, I won't get high. Right. And the only way to make sure I don't find it necessary to pick up is that I cannot afford to let myself get too worked up over nothing. Uh, right. I don't. I don't live fast no more. Uh, and the other thing y'all really taught me that I'm so glad is that 
I used to brag on being quick on my feet, uh, you know, but really that's just impulsive or or compulsive <laughs> shit. Right. Now, think, think, think. I'm an old South East Georgia country boy. <laughs> I love that slow way of living. And if I think, 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 chances are I'm going to make a good choice. Yeah. My life shows that anytime I act without thinking, I make bad choices. I can talk about this, you know, I, I can talk about this thing a while, man. Uh, Dude, hell yeah. And you know what, bro? <laughs> I'm super glad that I asked you that because, A, I realized that we kind of seemed to skip over that. We got into some other topics and I wanted to hear about, you know, your, your using and, and, you know, your beginning of your recovery. But boy, like the passion and I wish y'all. You know, sometimes I just wish that we did video because I, if y'all could see Toodle, this dude from the second I met him, he's got the biggest smile on his fucking face. I mean, you just beam, bro. You do. You it, you beam light, you know, and it, it's beautiful. And you can hear the passion. You're so passionate about it. And that to me shows shows the importance of the service because you get what you put in when it comes to like the 12 step work if you work at it you get more out of it and like to your point you love working with the newcomers and that's where your hunger and that passion and that big ass smile on your face come from you know what i mean Yes. You know, yeah, but dude. if you but like you know, if you find something that works, why change it? <laughs> um add, you know, you can always add to it because we always because so what's the second most important principle? Open mindedness. Mm-hmm. All you know, always willing to say I don't know. But I'm willing to damn learn, mm. you know. So, uh, and so, but the basic bottom line: if you don't pick up, you can't get high. And <laughs> the only way to make sure that you, you know, that you won't find it necessary to pick up is that you know you got. Oh man, uh, <laughs> I I. Like I said, if I wouldn't have been watching me these past 32 years, I, I probably wouldn't believe it myself. I wouldn't believe it was right. possible. Yeah. I know. It's, but, it's crazy. I mean, even, you know, I'm coming up on six years. Next month will be six years. And it's like, I still, I hear dudes like you, you know, getting 30 two years and shit i'm like damn you can do that like you know i i don't think i don't see myself going back out there but i still like if i think about making it 32 years i'm like dude can do you think i can do that i don't know you know if i'm being honest myself like i don't know you know a lot can change in 
short periods of time. And, but boy, it's so cool to see, you know, and it's to your, you know, he said, you know, Toodle said, you just work with people who are new and conversate with them and share with them your experience and, and listen to theirs. And, 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 you know, you just come alongside them and this is the magic of the program. You know, I don't have to do anything, uh, just show up, you know, uh, my higher power does it all really through, yeah. through others. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and it's an old cliche, but it's very true. It works if you work it. Sucks and, if you don't. <laughs> yeah. And and only you know if you work it. Mm. And God. God knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't <laughs> lie to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. knows. Yeah, you know, and, and so... And one and uh, one of the most beautiful and uh, if you do fall, get back up. The sooner you get back up, the better. Uh, don't lay there. Uh, and, and I I think I I think my creator that I got a network of people uh, and we call ourselves get honest or die motherfucker. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) You know, but we are accountable to each other. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you got to have what I think you got to have somebody that you are totally accountable to, that you believe in your heart of hearts, no matter what they may say to you, they ain't saying it to you to bring you down. How many times I used to say, I wish I could find me somebody who understood but in order for people to truly understand me, I got to let them see me. I got to let them see the real me. So then when I'm acting out of character, they're going to pull my coattail. Now, you know, some folks say, you know, we, you know, don't take other people's inventory and don't, don't judge and all that stuff is true and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, but, uh, I need people in my life and the creator made it possible. I got some people in my life that I get soul to soul with and they get soul to soul with me and we all, you know, and we all keep in contact and we know each other and we know when one of us is out of character, but that's also because let people get to know me. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm always the last one to know when something's going on with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm always the last one to know. And yeah. I need somebody that's going to call me on my shit. Yeah. Totally, man. Ask, a, ask, 
a ask those pilots. If it wasn't for them air traffic damn controllers, every damn plane would, would be in damn trouble. Yeah, so that that pilot can only see what's in in front of. Them. Right. Okay. That's that's I like that uh that analogy. That's good. That's good. Oh man, dude. I got these yes. closing series of questions and okay. they get it gets a little deep, bro. Uh Okay. You down. All right. So first one here is that here's the way out. We, we really think that, you know, routine, like recovery routines of some sort, whatever it looks like different for everybody, but they're just so essential for having a meaningful and sustainable recovery uh, and to keep you fulfilled and keep you on your spiritual wellness. So what does your regular recovery routine consist of? That's ironic. Me and somebody was talking about that. But my recovery routine is when I first wake up, I still say a prayer. Uh, every time I get ready to eat, I still say a prayer. Uh, and I at least do a inventory once a week. I don't do it as much as I used to, you know, because things ain't as <laughs> uh, it's a damn shame there, maybe, but but uh, <laughs> and I still say, "Die will not mine be done." Mm. Yes. And oh, and meditate. I still meditate because nobody likes a one-sided conversation. So I don't think that my higher power just want me to pray and never doggone this. You know, true. It's very true. Yeah, you can't communicate one direction. Yeah, <laughs> I used to think. I just think, think, think that I could, but you know. True. <laughs> like I'm gonna talk this. I'm gonna talk through this and make it all make sense. <laughs> no, it don't typically work that way. If anything, I'll talk myself in circles, or I'll make sense out of nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every time. All right. Toodle. Next question. What is a book or a piece of literature that has had the biggest impact on your recovery? Love is letting go of fear. Love uh, is letting go of fear. My, yeah, goodness. Uh, when I when I first came around, this counselor gave me that book. It's, it's a little short, brief book. It's by Gerald, uh, Gerald Jim Posky. Uh, uh, oh, but love is letting go of fear. Matter of fact, uh, I do, well, pre-COVID, I used to do men's retreats. And I used to, and one of the, one of the books that I would always uh, give all of my guests 
to read before they come was love is letting go of fear. Man, I would love to go to one of your retreats. Well, <laughs> we have we haven't did one since COVID came around, but uh, yeah, man, that that would be so cool. That would be fun because I love listening to you talk. I remember when you would when I first said like you should be on the podcast and you were like, I don't know if people want to listen to me stutter. And I was like, bro, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, I love the like way you talk and just how you light up, you know, when you're talking about recovery and it's, it's awesome. It's you're, you're very enjoyable to listen to in my opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, what is the best piece of advice that you think you've ever received in recovery? Keep coming back. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Well, it's like you said, when you went to rehab, right? You weren't trying to get clean. You were just trying to get some time to think and figure out your next move. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody wormed got got something in your head in there you were you were fitting to like set the captives free and and, and like break the spell for people yeah. you thought they were getting fucking mesmerized in there and it was a cult and shit and then yeah yep you you listened you heard something and it changed it it changed the game and i guarantee just from the little bit i know of you man that there's a lot of people out there that are really grateful that that happened because I'm sure you have helped a lot of people, man. Mm. Trying to make up, like I said at the beginning, which I can, I can never give back all that I took from this planet. Yeah. But, you know, that's my, but it's my responsibility every day. And I, and I can't go off of what I did yesterday. Amen. Next question. What is the greatest challenge that you have faced in your recovery? Greatest challenge. Mm. I wonder if it counts that. Uh, my sister couldn't get clean. Mm. Uh, down through the years, she had called me a couple of times, and you know, so since I know some people, thanks to y'all, I've you know, I had gotten her into treatment a couple of times and she just didn't hear it. You know, she would go in and get a break, you know, but 
she saw something in me. You know, she wanted me here with her. And I wonder, I've thought about this a couple of times since, you know, is part of why maybe I'm having such a hard time moving on. Is it some kind of survivor's guilt or something? It's a very real thing, my friend. You know? Yeah. So that was my heart. And that was my baby sister. Yeah. She just couldn't get it. And, you know, and uh, life and uh, addiction kind of played a part. And, well, I think uh, addiction or lifestyle played a part in the cancer and all that kind of stuff. That, and she couldn't get it. So, mm, that's it. That's, I think that's the biggest challenge because everything so far, everything else I've had to deal with since I met y'all, y'all have helped me get through it. Hope y'all can help me get through letting my baby go. Yeah. Well, you know, there's no expiration date on grief. So um, when I hear you light up about recovery and what it does for you and how much it makes your heart smile to see other people get it and all these things you, you've been talking to us about, bro. Like, I got no doubt in my mind that you'll you'll be able to you know, finally get to a place of acceptance and and uh, be able to kind of find your peace with it. I, I know you will, but like you said, you won't do it alone. And I'm glad you're not trying to do it alone, man, because we can't do this shit alone. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, it's a tough one, bro. Next question, we'll bring it up to something positive. What is your greatest success in recovery? I got today clean. And if everything go according to plan, in about two, three more hours, I'm going to go to the doggone bed without using any dope or using any body today there you go <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> just keep it to today and keep it simple so mm. you know don't complicate don't complicate it and i don't need them i don't need a bunch of toys true that oh, um you got another one that's a little heavy and then uh we'll finish it off with a fun one what is something that you haven't forgiven yourself or someone else for? I got a little, I got a little girl out there 
somewhere. Mm. That uh, uh, when she was born, I panicked, and uh, it's always been my dream that. I was always gonna be a daddy like my like my daddy was to all of my children. Uh, but I don't know where my I don't you know, and she's my oldest, and I don't know where she at now. Don't know where the you know, don't know where the mama don't, you know, it's just, it's just as if it just disappeared. And, and and it's been years and years and years and years and years, but you know, some things you just don't forget. Yeah. You know, and uh, I often wonder, you know, in my travels, in my travels and stuff, do I pass her? But she also got that toodle curse uh, with the vision problem, you know, but uh, yeah. that's you know, and uh, if I could get one thing from recovery, I really want to find my little girl. Yeah. Well, I'll be praying on that one for you, bro. And I just, it's, uh, that just it moves me because you know, I, and some of the listeners maybe know, you know, if you're a regular listener, you know this, but I got two kids that I'm, I've been estranged from for like 22 years. So they were three and one when I left them. Uh, in 2018, when I was first starting my recovery, I did get to reunite with my oldest child, my son. Um, and I was able to give him the amends letter that I wrote for him and his sister uh, at that time. But then since then, you know, we don't, and he's, he's got some, you know, like a developmental disability. Uh, He's like on the autism spectrum and he, he lives in like a home for vulnerable adults and stuff. So, but uh, I've never since that in, in 2018, uh, I've maybe gotten two responses to emails from him in that time. And I sent him updates on a regular basis and I don't, but I've never heard back or had any contact with my daughter, his sister, um, who's two years younger than he is. So she's 22 now. I haven't seen her since she was one. So I, I can really relate to that being estranged. And honestly, that's same, that was the same shit that fueled my crazy behavior for so many years and my self-hatred and all that, you know, um, just, uh, self-destructiveness, you know, but yeah, it, I, I, I wouldn't say I don't forgive myself, uh, all the time, but it definitely comes up, comes up for me and it'll continue to come up for me. Like you said, you know, you just, you can't forget that, you know, and uh, yeah, dude, I feel for you, man. I hope you find her. I hope you find her one day. Appreciate it. 
<sighs> All right. This one's my favorite. Favorite question. It's the last question. What is a song that symbolizes your recovery? <laughs> my favorite song in the whole wide world. <laughs> I guess it's, I don't know if it symbolizes my recovery, but I often ask people, <laughs> If you entered a room and you couldn't say nothing, what song would be played? Oh, I love it. Like, what would be your, yeah, like your entrance? It, yeah, right? yeah, your entrance song. And now this may not, this may not have nothing to do with recovery, but it's my buddy. <laughs> matter of fact, on my going away party, I want them to play this song if they're going to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> And it's called <laughs> I Got My Mojo Working. All right. It just won't work on you <laughs> by Muddy Waters. And I guess that's how I look at recovery because I want everybody to get a taste of what I got. And I got my mojo working and I'll be trying to share it with everybody, but it just won't work on you. And so my job or my responsibility or my way to pay back this unpayable debt mm. is to try to work this mojo on everybody. I love so it. they can taste recovery like I have been so fortunate and blessed and privileged to get a heaping handful of man, Tootle, you're amazing. And that <laughs> I don't know about all that shit. <laughs> no, listen, dude, that was like uh like, did you practice that shit? That was like no, <laughs> you said this song might not have nothing to do with recovery, but the title works for for it you know like and then the fucking speech you just gave about it damn <laughs> i feel like it's about recovery <laughs> you're like man it's like it reminded me the title reminded me of like all the dudes that i've sponsored that did the three-step shuffle and then they ghosted me <laughs> out and they went back out there you know like my mojo working but it just ain't working on you <laughs> <laughs> oh shit that's good stuff bud oh i love it man toodle thank you for doing this dude and thanks for sharing your experience strength and hope with us here at the way out yeah and uh thanks for allowing me to run my mouth and look back some uh couple of thoughts. You know, i haven't i have mm. It's been, it has been, it has been nice, man. It's been nice. Oh, and um, telephone number 229-254-6630. And one other thing I want to put in this thing, if you truly get to have long-term recovery, Odds are you're going to need some type of 
accommodation in order to keep your recovery going. So why not, let's make sure the accommodations are there before you need them for those still out there. Yeah, absolutely. Man, thanks again, dude. You're, I just can't wait to release this thing. <laughs> You have a you have a good one, and all you guys out there listening, just to remind you, we'll have his song. It'll be in the Way Out playlist, which is on Spotify. It's called the Way Out playlist. It's a curated list of all the our, all our guest picks uh, for songs, and then in the show notes, we'll have his phone number and all the book, his best piece of advice, and everything will be listed in there for you guys nice and easy for you to access and check it all out uh yeah in in the meantime just for this week coming ahead just take care of yourselves and each other and god bless every one of you thank you for being a part of the way out we appreciate your ears we're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week so keep listening up if you would like to reach out to the show you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.